For the first time since 2011, the Vikings have unveiled a new throwback uniform. Very exciting stuff, plus a whole bunch more of the Everyman series on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three. You, like it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is any podcast listening app like SiriusXM, which we are partnered with, or YouTube, or even Amazon Fire or Roku if you download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And a special shout out to those of you who do listen to the show every single day, especially as we get a little closer to camp and a lot more people going to start showing up uh, and start paying attention to the Vikings. I know who the real ones are. All right. Shout out. Uh, uh, sound off in the comments if you are a hashtag every dare. Um, today on the show, I want to quickly mention the new uniforms. There's not like a whole bunch to say about it, but I, I will uh, let you know what you uh, maybe are, are wanting to know about that. And then we'll get back into the Everyman series with a kicker battle. It's a weird thing, a kicker battle. And a lot of players, including both of the kickers, uh, have taken a bit of time away from football in their careers, only to find themselves here converging on the Vikings. And what that meant to all of them is very different, very interesting. First things first, the Vikings have unveiled their new their their new throwback uniforms. They rule uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff that I want to tell you about with these. For one, you can go buy them right now. Uh, they are, you should know that they are not stitched. I saw a lot of people saying that. I don't actually know what that means, but it seems like people cared to know it. So they are not stitched uniforms, uh, or the like fuse versions are not stitched uniforms. So be aware of that. Cause I think, uh, the more expensive version might not be the one you actually want. Uh, if you are going to go get that, you can only get a few limited players right now. Jefferson cousins, uh, I think you can get TJ Hawkinson, you can get an old Randy, uh, Randy Moss, which is super sick, uh, and a couple of other like select players. Weirdly, you can't get a CJ Ham, which Vikings using CJ Ham, like featuring him hev- heavily as one of the models for the new uniforms, but you cannot buy a CJ Ham version of it. I honestly might have, <laughs> but I'm sure that's around the corner. I'm sure that'll come eventually if you just wait. Uh, they are inspired by sort of a hybrid, I guess, of the 60s and 70s version, which most of it is. The The sleeves are 60s and 70s. They've got the helmet that's 60s and 70s with the gray face mask and a simplified logo on the side. The horn on the helmet doesn't have any of the shadowing, the black outline. Uh, it just has the like yellow uh, glow around it, the yellow, like, yellow drop shadow, basically. Um, and the horn is a little bit longer. So that all looks like uh, the 60s and 70s. The numbering has a yellow outline, which is from like the 90s and 2000s, the Carter Moss era. And they're wearing, I think, I don't know if the pants actually changed from one era to the next, but they've got that that like stripe on the pants that uh, we don't we don't really see anymore. Very, very cool look. I'm a huge fan of it. I'm definitely going to get one. Uh, to, I'm, I might wait for... Uh, a player that I, I want. Maybe I'll wait for CJ Ham, or I might get the Hawkinson one if he's if he does indeed sign the extension. But either way, I would like now to shift gears entirely 
uh, and continue with the Everman series. We are profiling every single player on the 90-man roster, and uh, I've got four of them to get to today, so we are going to be crammed, maybe go a little long, hope that's okay with you. But I wanted to do both the kickers, because there are some weird parallels to them, and we have a kicker battle, uh, as we always do. I don't know how real the kicker battle is. There's a lot of guaranteed money in Greg Joseph's contract that sort of signals that they might not actually be uh, intending to actually make him fight for his job all camp. But either way, I mean, there's another kicker in and he is fighting for, if nothing else, a spot on the Roland decks. If uh, Greg Joseph gets hurt or something like that, Jack Vlad Lesney would be the guy that gets the call. But, but for Greg Joseph, I think his story is a great example of how utterly weird it is to be a kicker. The life of a kicker is absolutely bizarre. Uh, Greg Joseph grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa, And he doesn't remember, he moved when he was seven, so he doesn't remember a whole lot from those years, but he does remember mostly, like, being part of his Jewish congregation. Uh, At seven, they moved to Boca Raton, Florida, and if you ask Greg Joseph now, he seems to me a little bit more like he's just a South Florida guy. He loves South Florida. He is absolutely enamored with it. He loves the weather. He's a beach kid. Like, he loves it. He went to Jewish day school, played soccer and football, but he honestly preferred soccer, which is not uncommon among kickers. Um, so coming out of school, he wasn't like a big football presence. He kicked and he was good, but he couldn't actually get a scholarship. He took a walk-on offer at Florida Atlantic FAU and walk-ons have to earn their scholarship. They have to kind of make the team. It's not unlike a, an undrafted free agent now, sort of these long shot types. And anytime they do make the team and get their scholarship, it's a great story. Um, but if you go as a preferred walk-on, which is essentially, yeah, you're a walk-on and we have some roster spots available. We'd like you to have that, but we're not going to guarantee it. Uh, And then you don't actually make the team. You are just a student at FAU. (laughs) And that's what Craig Joseph was, just a student at FAU. Uh, When he got there, there was like a a redshirt senior that was the kicker that was never going to be moved off the spot. So he basically got to spend his freshman year not really worrying too much about football. Um, you know, honing his craft, staying in shape and all that stuff, but also just kind of being a freshman in college, focusing on his classes, focusing on, you know, making friends and and enjoying like the, the life that is college and sort of the step in growing up that your first year of college is. Um, he's really grateful for this sort of time off. This is the first player and all of these players took at least a year away from football at some point in their time. And for Greg Joseph, it's where I, I think he he sees it as a place where he grew as a human. Um, the next season, he is the kicker for FAU. He'll be the kicker for the rest for the rest of his four years in college. Um, he'll use all four years of his eligibility, and he uh, has a pretty good career at FAU. Ends up going to the Dolphins as an undrafted free agent. However, the Dolphins also draft a kicker that year, and that's Jason Sanders. So they will keep him. I think they still have him. Um, So it's, again, this kind of like, yeah, I'm here, and I'm going to try to make the team, but I don't really have, like, a real shot. Uh, He'll go then to the Browns, who also drafted a kicker, but that was Zane Gonzalez, who melts down entirely in 2018, we all might have missed it because we were. it was like a week after Daniel Carlson melted down and we were all still freaking out about that. But then Zane Gonzalez did the same thing. Total kickpocalypse. And uh, he gets cut. The Browns bring in Greg Joseph off of the Dolphins practice squad. And uh, he'll kick there for like a year and a half. 
he won't make the team the year after that because they draft a kicker now. They draft Austin Seibert. Seibert. Um, and then he has to kind of go through a whole bunch of different things. He's on Carolina's practice squad for a minute. He go, he gets drafted by the XFL, uh, and he won't actually get there. He'll be on an NFL team by then, but he gets drafted. So maybe that's going to be what happens. Uh, and then Tennessee has a problem. Ryan Suckup gets hurt. So now we got to bring somebody in. They go and they call Greg Joseph. And you might remember the 2019 Tennessee Titans having this really weird run. They made it all the way to the AFC championship game, beating the Patriots and then upsetting that Lamar Jackson MVP Ravens year. Uh, that Greg Joseph was on the team for that whole thing, but he never kicked any field goals because the Titans kept scoring touchdowns. He didn't kick until the actual AFC championship game itself. Uh, then afterwards, the Titan will bring in Steven Gostowski Goskowski, and once again, Greg Joseph is on the street. Um, he will spend most of his 2020 somewhere in Tampa's organization. I think he's only active for like one game, but it is a 2020 bucks. He does end up getting a ring out of that. <laughs> um, and then in 2021, he joins the Vikings, where you're familiar with kind of his story there, missing that that kick in Arizona. And then he talks about a kick the next week that he made. It's like a 40-some yarder that he like was kind of his get-right moment. And all the game winners he made last year. Um, but through all of this, there's these like ups and downs. There's getting cut and getting in these situations where you don't really have a chance. And then getting in situations where you do have a chance, but you don't win the competition. And then you do win a have a chance, but you do win the competition like Greg Joseph did. Uh, there's all sorts of um, weird ups and downs. And for a kicker, you have to have a certain outlook. Which brings me to Jack Podlesny. Uh, he took his time away from football a little bit earlier in his career. It was his sophomore year of high school. And again, he was focusing on soccer. But his high school coach knew, he had, he had seen this kid kick a football before and said, hey, your leg is insane. You just need a little bit of technique. Learn how to kick for field goals over this year. You can play soccer, but just like in your yard, practice it and come back junior year. Comes back junior year and he's a god. <laughs> Uh, and kicks really well for those last two years of high school. And he'll get some offers. I think Michigan is sniffing around, but he ultimately goes to Georgia, where, much like Greg Joseph, there is an uh, established starter, and you're not going to make the team your first year. Uh, that guy is Rodrigo Blankenship. Hot Rod, as they call him. Mr. Rex Bex. That shadow is really interesting. He'll actually learn a lot from Blankenship in that first year, and then he kind of has to live in that shadow and, and carry it out. It doesn't start well. Again, these these ups and downs. His first game, he uh, kicks. He, he has a kickoff. He doesn't actually kick any field goals. Just a kickoff specialist in his first game. His first kickoff goes back for a touchdown. <laughs> uh, when he actually does kick field goals, his very first kick against Ole Miss is a whiff. But you got to figure out how to put it behind you and how to take those bad moments and move on. And that is what both of these guys, I think, you have to be really good at that to even get to this point. And now they will battle with each other. You probably most remember uh, him for kicking the game winner against Ohio State in the college football playoffs. And that's kind of what life is for a kicker. Every single moment, because there's points on the line, is either agony or elation. There is no in-between. You cannot have an okay moment as a kicker. You didn't say that one was fine. Eh, maybe submit picks, but it's fine. It either made it or it didn't. There's this binary to being a kicker, and that will be highlighted in training camp. I want to make sure that I get to uh, the other guys. I'll, I'll talk about Lucky Jackson and Andrew DePaolo today as well. Uh, but before 
I get into those guys, let me talk to you about a good old Gramble. FanDuel is kicking up for a lot of NFL stuff now. They have a lot of uh, futures odds. You can bet on Justin Jefferson over under. I think it's 1,400 and a half. So if you think he'll be not the worst season he's ever had as a pro, that's the over. <laughs> pretty crazy. It's about as high as overs will get on a sports book, but still a pretty good bet. Uh, or you can just bet on like Vikings over under eight and a half wins. Will they have a winning season or not? Up to you. Uh, if you want to, you, there's also all kinds of baseball betting going on, home run parlays and stuff like that. Uh, you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So that means if you bet 20 bucks, up to 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, whatever 10 times your original bet is, up to $200. That's 200 you can spend betting on whatever you want, whether or not that first bet wins. So you can go put 20 bucks on a Twins game, get 200 back in bonus bets, and put that on Vikings over 8.5, or whatever permutation of that you want to do. All on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on sports than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim that. You have to sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim that $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks so much for those of you who do listen to the show every single day. My hashtag every day is love you guys. Uh, moving on though, with the Everyman series here on the Locked On Vikings podcast, neither of those kickers had particularly long absence. They took a year off, right? Or they took a year and, you know, they didn't make the team in college and they didn't really play or they, it was like one year in high school. It was kind of minor for Lucky Jackson. The drought between college and pro football has been three years, uh, depending on what you count as pro football, uh, College in the NFL has been three years. Um, Lucky Jackson is not his God-given name. That's a nickname because he was not a planned baby. But his parents thought eventually, like, uh, this is a blessing. We're gonna, we're lucky to have you. We're going to call you Lucky. Uh, kind of a cute story. Uh, that's what his parents called him. That's what everybody calls him. His real name is Dontavian, but kind of sounds like nobody calls him Dontavian. He's Lucky Jackson. Um, he went to Western Kentucky. He was absolutely the pride of Western Kentucky. He was incredibly productive there. One of these all conference USA guys, but that's conference USA. And it's going to be a lot harder to get noticed when it's time to go to the NFL. Uh, it's not impossible. Guys get drafted out of like Liberty or Western Kentucky or Sam Houston or whatever all the time. Uh, but it's just, a little bit of an uphill battle. You got to be particularly a standout. And Lucky Jackson is absolutely a standout in Conference USA play. Uh, but the timing of this is very unfortunate because his last season will be 2019, which means his pre-draft process is unprecedented. <laughs> That's the COVID year, uh, the unprecedented year. Now, look, the, the pre-draft process for COVID, it was weird, but it ultimately did end up like when you're Justin Jefferson, when you're Tua Tagovailoa, Joe Burrow, you're not going to be necessarily impacted that hard by COVID. Teams can see you on tape. Everybody's watching LSU and Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, everybody knows about you enough, and then it's just about doing the meetings on Zoom instead of in person. It's like not that different. But for somebody at Western Kentucky, somebody in Conference USA, 
uh, that is going to have an outsized effect on your draft process because people aren't as tuned in to Western Kentucky. Scouts aren't watching Western Kentucky nearly as keenly. Now they'll go to Western Kentucky's Pro Day every year and maybe you stand out there and then they say, oh, wow, this kid looked really good. Let me go back and watch his tape. And then your tape can speak for itself. But you got to get eyeballs there in the first place. And it's really hard because Western Kentucky's Pro Day is scheduled for March 19th, 2020. Now, to give you a sense of timeline, March 11th, 2020 was the day the NBA shut down and Rudy Gobert touched all the mics and that kind of kicked off this like cascade of a bunch of shutdowns and all that stuff. Eight days later is the pro day. And there's actually video you can find of him like running his three cone and running a 40 and stuff. And if you look at the background, there's bleachers. Nobody's there. It's eight days after the pandemic was like at its peak. Nobody knew anything about COVID. Nobody was traveling. Nobody's going anywhere. Nobody's going to work. Uh... Every nobody's going to the grocery store, right? This we had a toilet paper shortage. Um, nobody was going to Western Kentucky's pro day. Uh, it, it's unfortunate because he showed out really well at that pro day, but he didn't get any looks. Lucky Jackson will not get drafted. He will not get signed as an undrafted free agent. He will not get so much as a rookie minicamp invite. He goes nowhere. The phone never rings. Lucky Jackson thought he had a shot to maybe sneak in six, seventh round, that kind of thing. His phone never once rings. Talk about other undrafted guys where you got 10 teams calling you. Nobody called lucky Jackson in 2020. And he just kind of had to wait. There is this point after college where you've done everything. You've done your pre-draft. You've done whatever you're going to do with the combine. If you're going to do it, you've done all the workouts and all the interviews and you, you know, you've, you've played your, however many years of college football, you just have to wait to see if anybody's going to make the decision to take a chance on you. And that's all he feels like anybody needs to do is, hey, just get some eyeballs on me. Somebody see what I have done here. But you're not going to get that at Western Kentucky. Um, ultimately, his phone will not ring for a year and a half. He stays in shape. He stays optimistic. But it feels like this just didn't happen. And that is the case for lots and lots and lots of players. I mean, like 2,000 players declare for the draft. You draft like 250 of them. Everybody brings in maybe like three, 400 more go in as like rookie mini camp or undrafted guys. Everybody else is done and they got to go find a job. That's where Lucky Jackson is. But he's one of the lucky few that gets a call from somewhere else. That somewhere else is a whole other story. Uh, you, that's going to be an expose on 30 for 30 someday is the spring league. You probably haven't heard of the spring league. If you have, you probably didn't even realize it was still going and you are right. It is not. It's final season was the 2021 spring. The spring league was a very small operation, uh, done at very low cost. That was spring football before the XFL or even the AAF. This was spring football, uh, that was kind of a training ground and an extra proving ground for players like Lucky Jackson, guys that didn't end up getting uh, any invites to, to camps or anything like that, or reclamation guys. Johnny Manziel played in it once. Um, but it is a really weird, like you kind of have to pay your own way. The, the pay of the spring league is kind of nothing. Um, and it's really hard to be a part of. It's almost nobody's ever looking at it, but it's something, right? It's, I, let me get out on a field and let me do something. He'll play for the Blues, the TSL Blues, the Spring League Blues. Um, 
And that will be just enough to get him an invite to Winnipeg to try out for the Blue Bombers in uh, the Canadian Football League. He will not make the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Like, I cannot emphasize enough how dead this dude's career is. Like, it is so never been more over for anybody ever. But it wasn't because then he gets another call. This is the one that's actually going to unlock things. He gets a call from the D.C. Defenders of the XFL, the rebooted XFL. That actually is going to get through a season this time. 2023, The Rock has it, and the D.C. Defenders want him. And something there clicks where he will become the number one premier wide receiver for the D.C. Defenders, for the best team in the XFL for most of it. They choked away the championship, but... They were the kind of the royal team of the XFL. He is the lead receiver. He's very dynamic. And suddenly, eyeballs. Starts getting a little bit of hype as people are watching the XFL. Chad Ochocinco is like, that Lucky Jackson dude's legit. Um, He's got a funny name. And he ends up kind of cashing in on that. He's a merch brand now. You can buy sweaters with like clovers on them. They're the the Lucky Jackson brand. Uh, It's suddenly... There is publicity, and you can see what Lucky Jackson can do. Sure enough, he gets invited to camp. So I have no earthly idea what Lucky Jackson will be able to do. Three years removed from uh, sanctioned college football, one year in the XFL, absolute and total wild card. Uh, Chances are he's not going to crack what is a fairly deep wide receiving roster. But if he can get himself on the practice squad, or better yet, if he can show out on special teams and crack the roster anyways... Uh, then he can maybe start to carve out this NFL career that is only possible for a guy that can go three years between college and the NFL and not call it quits. That takes an unbelievable persistence. And just to get to this point, there is something remarkable about Lucky Jackson that is, uh, I, I guess, worth taking a moment to appreciate. But that is not the longest absence from football on the Vikings. Because Andrew De Paola, it looked even worse for him. Uh, I can't wait to tell you that story. I've told it a few times before, and I'm going to tell it again. You cannot stop me. Moving on with this uh, Everyman episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Next up is the Pro Bowl long snapper. And the fact that he made a Pro Bowl last year changes the entire tenor of this story. I've told this story on the show before. I even wrote a zone coverage article about it. Uh, two years ago, I did this. So if you were listening back then and this is repetitive to you, enjoy it again because it rules. Uh, if not, buckle up because Andrew Tipola's path to NFL Pro Bowl long snapper, nothing like this will ever happen again. Paula grew up in Sparks, Maryland uh, as the second oldest of four boys, which meant a lot of roughhousing, a lot of competition, very much a, a competitive jock family. Um but it meant he was going to play some high school football. And he was a quarterback in high school football, but he wasn't like a God-tier quarterback. He was not good enough to go get Power 5 offers as a quarterback. Didn't get any scholarship offers from Division One schools. But he got one half-ride scholarship from West Virginia Wesleyan, and he got walk-on offers from Rutgers uh, and a place called Towson. Towson? Towson? Um, which meant that he had to kind of pick do I take a chance on myself, walk on, see if I can get a whole full ride scholarship to a better school, or do I just take my lumps in my half ride and go play at a school nobody's ever heard of and just kind of use this as a way to get a most of the way to a degree? He decides to go to Rutgers, where 
Greg Schiano is the coach. Um, he will make the team ultimately as the third string quarterback for Rutgers. He, their, their starter was Mike Teal, which if that's a name that you remember, you need help <laughs> or you're a diehard Rutgers fan, in which case you need help. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you need, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but, uh, he also throughout this whole time, he did never wanted to be a one trick pony. His dad helped him a lot with that. So they would, in all that backyard play, roughhousing stuff, they would long snap to each other. They would kick, they would do weird stuff, and hey, maybe that's the thing that you can do. So when it came time for them to figure out who the long snapper is, they said, hey, anybody who is not a full-on starter, does anybody want to be the long snapper? And DePola says, yeah, hey, sure, I'll do it. Well, yeah, why not? I'll try out. Okay, you know, come on and do it. And he was actually, like, really good at it. <laughs> Um, unfortunately as the third team quarterback, you're on the scout team, which means those responsibilities made it a little bit too hard for him to actually do the job right away, uh, and to really get as much practice as he wanted, but he also was a holder for kicks. And that actually meant that his first, some of his first real action in competitive football, uh, you can actually find it on my Twitter timeline. I retweeted it yesterday, a clip of Andrew DePaula throwing a touchdown on a fake field goal. He is a high school quarterback, right? Uh, in 2007 against number two ranked South Florida. Uh, and the long snapper, the starting long snapper was hurt for that game. So DePaula had to do it like that person that actually had the job. So he had to step in and do it. And they ended up kind of making lemons out of lemonade out of lemons and making him actually try to throw a touchdown, which he did. He has one passing touchdown to his name. Um, he would be the long snapper in for, for a couple more years at Rutgers, and then he would actually get a chance in the NFL. But much like with Lucky Jackson, nobody came a-calling. Nobody drafted him. Nobody signed him. However, he did get a rookie minicamp invite where he could go just do the drills for the New Orleans Saints in 2009. Uh, but he did not actually make the New Orleans Saints doing that, like many do. I mean, you get 60 guys get called in, two of them ever make the roster. So he was one of the many that just kind of had an interesting weekend, uh, so gets to tell everybody I tried out for the New Orleans Saints, but I didn't make it. 2010 goes by, nobody calls. 2011 goes by, nobody calls. He's now two years out of football. He's taken jobs at... Uh, like Best Buy. <laughs> He's working at his parent re parents' restaurant. The doubt starts to creep in. And this is the hardest part. This is what all of these guys had to go through at some point, which is, is football going to happen? And how happy or sad you are with that question kind of depends on where you are at life, but they all are having this moment where they don't think that this career is going to happen. And maybe it's time to move on. However, Greg Schiano, uh, after the 2011 season, will take over as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in his Rolodex, there's a guy who might want to come in and try out for long snapper. So he will get a training camp invite for the 2012 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, they already had an, an established long snapper. This is more of a camp body thing. Uh, and he will not participate in the regular season. But he gets invited back in 2013 to try out again. Um, he will lose that competition. Uh, and at this point, Greg Schiano gets fired after the 2020 or after the 2013 season. He was only a two year guy there. 
So Lovey Smith is now the 2014 Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Uh, and hey, there's this dude that's come in and tried out a couple years. He's been fine, but we've gone with the other guy both years. Lovey Smith actually makes the decision to bring him in again, to actually try out again. And there, he will finally make an NFL roster. And I want to just zoom back out and, and look back at the road we have crossed here from going out as a walk-on on Rutgers as a quarterback, making the team because you raised your hand and said, I'll be a long snapper and a holder, not getting any calls for two years until your college coach happens to move to the big leagues. He brings you in for two separate camps, but you don't make the team either time and you still get another chance and you make good on that one and you actually go and uh, make the team as the long as the long snapper. And he will be the long snapper through the 2016 season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There is now real significant money to that. Um, there is momentum to that. No matter what happened before, now you were the guy that was the long snapper for three years. The major hurdles have been cleared, but more hurdles will come. Because in the 2016 season, uh, Andrew DePaola will tear his ACL uh, on a kick return against the Carolina Panthers takes an awkward step and gets pushed over weird. Um, he wasn't under contract anymore once he had his surgery, but the Bucks still wanted to keep him, but they got him some competition because they weren't sure how he was going to be back in uh, the next season. He will lose to that competition. A guy named Garrison Sanborn ends up uh, getting cut from the bills and winning the job over there. Um, it's now 2017 and Andrew DePaola is a total journeyman. He goes to the Raiders. Uh, he gets that job, but he popped his knee again on in week one, uh, ending. This was 2018 when that happens. Um, in 2019, he would go back to Carolina and try to make their roster. It wasn't until 2020, which you may have blocked out of your brain, but the Vikings had a special teams disaster class in 2020. Uh, total mess of a season. And Austin Cutting got released as part of that. If you remember, we drafted a, a long snapper and then uh, he got cut and DePaola was an available free agent. Now he has experience, right? I mean, he's been a long snapper since 2014. So we bring in an experienced guy to just kind of tide things over and he's held on to the job ever since. That story is remarkable in and of itself. But when you get to the 2022 season and he makes the Pro Bowl and is agreed upon by a lot of people who track this, including PFF and others, to be the best long snapper in the league from I couldn't make a team for four years to I am the best at this in the world. It's unbelievable that the story will never fail to blow my mind. I love Andrew DePaola. I love that he made a Pro Bowl. DePaola, a thousand years. Put him in the ring of honor. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, we're going to keep doing stuff like this. And we'll keep doing that. We'll we'll keep an eye on contract stuff and camp stuff as it comes. This We're kind of on Justin Jefferson watch now. This is, we, are, we have, I think, gotten to the point in the offseason where it's going to start to be normal. Uh, we're going to start to see 2020 draft picks get their contract extensions. We have not seen a first round pick, I think, a single one get their extension. We've seen... Uh, guys that do not have a fifth year option get their extensions, but I don't think we've had anybody get their extensions in the world of the CD lambs and the, uh, Tristan Wirfs and, and guys like JJ. 
Uh, so I think we're starting to get to that point in the year. We're just into the window now, so keep your eye open. I'll talk about that if we have to, but otherwise we'll keep doing this Everyman stuff. I will see you all for whatever that is. And as always, skull.